Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. I'm Jenna Carvello with Guardian Estate Company, and I'm here with co-host Gordon Vanderleek of Vanderleek Law. How, how are you today, Gordon? Doing well. Excited <laughs> for this next episode. I think an interesting one. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to diving in. Yes. Yeah. Me, me as well. As always, I, I enjoy our conversations. And before we get started, we obviously need to add a little disclaimer. So I'll let I'll let the legal expert do that. <laughs> yeah. I want to just remind people uh, that for the items we're talking about, this doesn't represent legal advice that requires, uh, you know, a personal relationship and and going formalizing that relationship in writing to say, OK, now. Uh, this represents legal advice. We, we, I think the items we talk about are uh, hopefully useful information. How that applies to the estate you're involved with is specific to your situation, and 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 so if you have the need for that, uh, please uh, feel free to uh, reach out, and we can we can start that process. But uh, with with that uh, caveat out of the way, let's uh, let's get into the conversation about personal effects. The in this situation, what's interesting about if you look at the personal belongings, they they take on a different uh, almost composition or or design. There, this is movable stuff, right? It's not like money in a bank account or land that you can find at 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 land titles. So uh, it makes it interesting. Um, number one, to find all the property and where that is, but the reality is is that we all accumulate a lot of stuff. Think of it this way for your own personal situation. If the house burned down, another lovely example uh, of, of a difficult situation, but if the house burned down and you lost all your contents and you had to fill out an insurance claim form and, and, and say, well, I need to get reimbursement for the cost of replacing all these items or what, what, did, what did I spend on these things? Number one, I think we would all conclude that that's a bigger number than what you think it might be. I bet if you added it up and put it in a spreadsheet, you're going to go, whoa, there's a lot of stuff there, right? And because you just kind of discount, you buy things a little bit over time and over the course of a lifetime, uh, you can accumulate a fair number of of items. And so with that, I think um, they're not all, I mean, money is money. We know how to deal with that, right? Oh, we pay the taxes. Well, that's that can be calculated, but what do we do with the personal items? And then the other layer on it is that there's a lot of emotional baggage, if you will, or an emotional reaction attached to an inanimate object. Yes. Right? We have that in our home. Uh, uh, for my wife and I, our, uh, both sides of the family, parents have passed away, and we have some items that are, we uh, collected from them as, as part of the distribution of personal belongings. And now, every time I look at a particular item, uh, there was a clock I got from, from my father. And I remember it every single time I look at it. It's in my home office. I see it usually every day, and it brings in a memory. It brings in certain sentiments and emotions. And one would look and say, well, that's just a clock. Well, for me, it's not just a clock. Mm -hmm. So that, by way of background, is to say when you are dealing with an estate as the legal representative, you got to deal with all those emotions because it's not the inanimate object that is devoid of an emotional response. Quite the opposite is that people will have a very strong reaction, a visceral reaction to something of very little worth. Um, there was a book written um, some years ago and they talked, used the example of the brooch that, you know, 
mom would wear every Christmas. And and then it's like, who gets the brooch? But it was known to be this was this was brought out and worn on the formal attire at special family events where everybody was together and 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 mom was hosting, uh, if you will. Right. So how do you divide that up? I mean, that's the other item that things aren't divisible money in a bank account. Well, OK, divide by the number of beneficiaries that can be calculated on a spreadsheet. Personal items can't. So it becomes one of the items that has to be dealt with immediately. Usually you have to clean out the, you know, somebody's home. If they rent it, the landlord wants to re-rent it. It's like, okay, you have a couple of days to get it out. And if the family wants to sell the home of the parents, right, um, then you want to get it on the market. You got to stage it. You got to get it ready. So you got to deal with those personal items. So it's usually something that's dealt more immediately when the grief and the acknowledgement of the loss of the person having passed away is more palpable, right? It's stronger. So I think that makes it really difficult. Um, it's a It can be a challenging part of the executor's job to yeah. navigate, to, to balance all those interests, deal with all the emotions and deal with it in a way, you know, in a timely manner uh, because of the pressure of having to deal with it. So I think it's, it's, it's an area which can be ripe for dissension and some some strong feelings and and having being able to navigate it I think is is challenging and I think one of the reasons we wanted to have a podcast episode on it to try to share some experience or look at some ways in which how can you best uh, deal with that so how do you how do you see like what are the, some of the first steps that an executor should consider when dealing with you know, the personal effects, the movable property, household items, part of an estate, Jenna? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I will just add to your comment that when I was a professional executor, dealing with personal effects was often the most challenging process because, you know, as you mentioned, there's so much sentiment and memories attached to, to so many items. So, you know, it's good idea to follow a process and have a plan uh, because, you know, these items mean so much to the beneficiaries. And so the first step that uh, that we would, you know, suggest you consider is really reviewing the will to see if there's any instructions that the deceased had left. Sometimes there might be a clause indicating a reference to a memorandum of personal effects, which is a, you know, usually a one or two page handwritten document that may um, be placed with the will, indicating the deceased wishes of where certain items are to be distributed. Now that that uh, memorandum isn't binding on the executor, but it does give the executor some guidance and, and maybe a voice from the grave of, of what to do. Sometimes there is a clause that says all personal effects should be sold and, and the proceeds added to the residue of the estate. Other times, you know, the will asks the executor to offer it to beneficiaries uh, in a way that they might agree. And if there's any dispute, then the executor can can decide um, who gets what and and how that division should be done, which is, again, where, where yeah. the conflict can arise and, and where the difficulty arises. That's, you know, primary start. Look at the will for instructions. I the second step that... Sorry, oh, on, on that, just talking about the will, I think what's important, and it maybe touches more on the planning side, is I think... Ultimately, you want to make sure that you have the, I think you're charged and have the discretion, but hopefully the will, if properly drafted, gives clarification to that role. So I think that helps establish the authority to be able to say, okay, I'm the one that's going to help to make some decisions about, about where things go. And certainly the will may contain specific gifts, like this person gets that item, right? So you got to, yeah. you know, obviously, even if, 
you come up with a, you know, you have to follow those rules and then have proper documentation if you're doing something that's that's an alternative. And so making sure you're, you're squarely within the four corners of the will would be important. And hopefully it has, it gives you the necessary authority. So I just really wanted to emphasize that as well to be able to know that. And the difficulty is often trying to find these instructions, right? You have to do a certain amount of due diligence. You can't rush too quickly into the process of distributing until you satisfied yourself that you've looked for and found any of those sorts of instructions. You know, otherwise you have to use your discretion to try to, you know, figure out how best to distribute these items, which, mm -hmm. which, uh, as you've alluded to, can be an area ripe for dispute. Right. Mm -hmm. If if more than one person wants the same thing, how do you resolve that? Right. So that's that's a that's a difficult task. Sorry, yeah. I wanted to add that point, uh, but uh, you, I think you were moving to your second uh, your second point. No, of course, yeah. No, I like that. Uh, I like that point, and that that will bring us into you know if there is a dispute, what what do you do? And so you know, starting point would be to get an appraisal done of the personal items. There is a, a number of individuals you can hire to come into the home, um, look around, decide and determine what is valuable, and a place a dollar figure on that on that item. The sentimental um, value obviously won't be assessed, but the the dollar figure will, and it gives you a basis of of you know what you need to consider and what needs to be insured or how to divide uh, on an equal monetary value between beneficiaries. It just It's just a nice starting point. So you have a list and it protects you. You know, one of the beneficiaries might say, well, there was a valuable piece of art on the wall that uh, that went missing or, you know, that isn't isn't on the distribution plan. But if you have that appraisal, you can say, well, I've had the whole home assessed and, and it wasn't there or it wasn't valuable, et cetera. So it just gives a, a nice uh, a nice point of reference. Yeah. I think there are some companies around that that also help and provide those services. So you can consider bringing in um somebody who does this for a living to help with that process. Again, the introduction of somebody neutral and objective can assist to do, you know, versus it's it's one of the family members ultimately making a decision over over one of the you know, like if it's siblings, you know, one of the siblings is one of the children surviving is the executor and having to make those final decisions over your sibling yeah. can can lead to uh, to difficulties in the in the relationship. So that's where handling it well and coming up with a good process is is really important. I've often thought, I remember seeing some of these invoices come in from companies that do this kind of work, going, well, why would you have done that? Why can't you just do this yourself? But over mm -hmm. the years, I've come to appreciate that. They're probably doing a real valuable job that maybe it's just mm -hmm. taking the temperature down and somebody objective is dealing with it. I mean, mm -hmm. arguably that may be one of the advantages of a trust company as well, is they're going to mm -hmm. come in dispassionately and and be able to set some rules for everybody as opposed to just, uh, you know, one of the family members coming in. Right. So yeah. it makes it uh, makes it a little bit easier to to be able to to do that. I know I'm involved in a state right now where the the deceased had a had getting back to the, you know, making sure the instructions are there, had detailed set of instructions regarding this person gets this and this person gets that, makes it so much easier. People aren't fighting because it's like, well, we're just doing what this person wanted, as opposed to, well, what does everybody, how does everybody feel about this, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you are looking at your own situation saying, would it be beneficial to document your wishes or have a conversation as a family about how to reduce the tension and or mitigate any opportunity for fighting because these are things that generally wouldn't end up in court because they're, they're they're it wouldn't be worth it from a cost perspective in terms yeah. of the amounts that are there but the the cost 
of not doing it well is the lingering impact on the family relations, right? As a result of not doing this well, do you not talk to your siblings or or other family members? I think for those that are planning their estates, those are the things they want to avoid, right? To make sure everything goes goes smoothly in that. So I really like the appraisal. If you look at areas where there could be risk, you look at you you look at some painting and maybe you go, you're not into art and you're gonna go, what the heck is that? That doesn't kind of ugly. Well, what if it's, you know, a famous artist, you know, and that painting's worth sixty thousand dollars and you you have you know, you put it on Kijiji for $60. And now you're looking at the other end of a lawsuit saying you failed to get it appraised. Uh, so much like you just don't know what stuff is worth, you may have, and, and this is not your area of expertise, just get an appraisal. It's great protection. It's worth taking the time to slow things down to get that appraisal, uh, just so you are sure of, of what is there, because it may be worth a lot. And then there's potentially a tax issue. If you've got artwork and it's disposed yeah. of, you know, this is stuff the accountant is going to need to know in terms of how do you prepare it. And and if you guess, maybe you're guessing wrong, right? Yeah. And, and he needs and, to go and, on the grant of, uh, application for the grant of probate as well. So yeah. there's lots of purposes for, for the initial appraisal. I think a lot of people think of the appraisal, they think of, well, that's for real estate. So I mm-hmm. guess the message would be um, you can get personal items prepared, uh, you know, appraised. If there's specific artwork, find a gallery that is known and understands the nature of of that, right? We all see these shows on TV from time, whether it's people are going into a storage locker and pulling out stuff and having it appraised and suddenly it's worth more than anyone would have thought. Or the, uh, you know, the road show, oh, here's an antique item I got from Aunt Betty and it's worth you know, there's that look of shock when the when the appraiser comes in and says, well, this is what it's actually worth. Right? The point being is you don't know as the executor, you have an obligation to inquire. So I would say be curious and err on the side of making sure you have an appraisal because that's your protection. You have a third party telling you this is what it's worth because otherwise it's your judgment. Mm-hmm. When, and, 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 and the protection is you relied on a formal appraisal. So it's good for a whole pile of reasons. Yeah, you, you've got to exercise the judgment to say which items are appraised and which are not. Um, you know, if it's costume jewelry, you might go, well, I'm not going to get that appraised. But if you got artwork going, well, I don't know. Let me do some research on the on the author. Let me talk to some art galleries or those that are professional that know about this and, and get those appraisals in place. Maybe a good bit of protection that that you're going to have. Yeah. And so once once the executor does have the appraisal, then there's different options that they can uh, decide and how to de- deal with the personal effects. And so what would be your recommendation um, once the executor has has that appraisal, Gord? I think what we see a lot of times is that the family gets together and just, you know, through conversation, oh, do you want this? Do you want that? I guess point number one is take a look at where people are at and you may have to use the technology like a Teams call or a Zoom call to say, let's get everybody together and decide what to do with it. So just in addition to the appraisal, just having even an inventory of what items are there may be useful. I think depending on the nature of what's in the estate and the the amount of the personal belongings, again, that can be a fair bit of work, but a useful way to share information, take a picture and share that for everybody to determine who wants what. Otherwise, there is no right or wrong in terms of the methodology. It's about coming up with something that 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 works. I know, I, well, let me share what we did in, in like for my dad's estate, and I thought it worked really well as one example of coming up with a system for dividing personal belongings. We did it in rounds. So everybody had to write on a piece of paper in round one, what would you like? Which kind of forces you into saying, well, what's 
the most important thing I would want without saying something and then maybe the opportunity for somebody else to go, oh, I want that. You you had to, it was private, it was, you know, so you wrote it down on a piece of paper. It went back to the one person who then said, oh, this person wants this, this person wants that. Nope. Everybody wants something different as their first choice. Well, then write down your second choice and so on. You go through. And when we did that, there was only, I think, two or three items where when myself and my three siblings wrote it down that somebody picked the same thing. So I thought that was an interesting way of doing it. Um, I've also seen it sort of an auction style that yeah. it's it's almost like we put a value on each item and then all the, you know, you could bid or you got like almost like monopoly money and you could go and say, I, I put a bid in on on this and you develop a system where people can bid on the item that determines what their value is. And if they're prepared to use their allocation of resources, you know, their their predetermined amount of money they can go and purchase items. So then then it helps distinguish between what is perceived as as being important or valuable and 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 what is not and avoids, you know, can be an efficient way to be able to distribute those items. Or you, you know, you pull straws and then everybody, you know, that person yeah. goes first and then a person goes second and then a person goes third. I mean it's random, right? Because you you sort of pull a number out of the hat or you 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 know you do you get the short uh, you know you pull the the stick and is it is it the longest or the shortest or flip a coin or something like that uh, i i would say if you could develop a system that that has an element of fairness to the system versus sort of luck it's like oh you ended up with more than i did right and now you got these feelings of of discontent so it can if you can equalize as much as possible recognizing what you're dealing with right so you have to do some analysis of the value of the items uh, you may not want to put you know in the pool of items other items that are of great value you've got a coin collection or a stamp collection well that may need to be appraised and mm -hmm. maybe that's dealt with separately than the other mementos or items that are that are there but if you do it well everybody feels like they got a fair amount and doesn't it, it avoids the you know disputes or consternation that can come come a, about uh, for not doing it properly right or not right. following good process uh, do you have any experiences yourself in terms of your work as a professional executor that uh, different methodologies that could be used for dividing up the personal items yeah, well, you've mentioned several. Um, I would add to the list sending all the items to an independent auction, allowing the family to bid on it as well as outsiders, because that that definitely you know increases the the value of an item if there are several bidders, but also puts the conflict out outside of the home. And and you know if if a beneficiary wants it enough, they'll go to that auction and, and bid on the item. So that was one. And then I I would say as as a general rule though, have the beneficiaries as part of the process and in, in in developing the process so that they all agree to the process beforehand because yes. i think if you just impose a process on them you know some might think it's unfair so if they're part of developing it i think it it does go a lot a lot smoother yeah there's buy-in from all the parties to say mm -hmm. well this is a fair process and even if the outcome is not what they is less than ideal from their perspective that they've if they've agreed to the process hopefully then they can live with the result right yeah that's and very important and that's an excellent point to 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 really confirm is while there isn't you have to do it this way there's nothing in the estate administration act that says here's how you divide personal belongings so you have to come up with that process and and really make sure people sign off on that and and yeah. agree to it before you proceed and that and that they're not feeling pressured into it, that they're agreeing to it, because then the outcome is the outcome. They've agreed to the process. Yeah. 
And once once the items have been divided and everyone's received as part of the process what they're supposed to receive, it is also a good idea to at least consider getting all the beneficiaries to sign a release. Um, and I know we talked about a release in the last episode with respect to, a, you know, your inheritance overall, but specifically with, re- with respect to the personal effects. If you are following a, a cumbersome process and there's lots of discussion and decisions to be made, I always like getting that release right up front when they're receiving their personal items just saying yes I agree to the process I've received what I'm what I'm owed and you know I release the the executor from you know any further claims I have with respect to the personal effects and I think that sets the stage for a successful administration going forward as well yeah I think that's an excellent point and and obviously you got to look at the circumstances of each each particular estate but it's an option available to you right to say that they they no longer have any interest in the estate uh, the point being that just because they're getting the personal items may say, well, there's, you know, that's different than like real estate or investments and, and the savings account, right? It's the hard assets of the estate. So we kind of diminish its importance. But these are people who have an interest in the estate, right? So mm-hmm. it, you're, you're, you want to make sure that you've dealt with that and they acknowledge that their interest in the estate is satisfied. Otherwise, yeah. if it's not, that forms a potential claim that they have against you going, you didn't honor their interest, you didn't do it properly. So a release can happen even on those non-financial items, uh, which which uh, which is important, right? Yeah, and, and as you mentioned at the beginning too, personal items are often the first items to be distributed or dealt with. And so if you wait to get that release, you know, until you do a, a distribution of cash, beneficiaries might forget about it. They might, you know, not realize what happened. Um, and so, you know, Keeping it top of mind, getting the sign release up front is 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 nice to have. So as we wrap up, I think we are reminded and we've talked about yeah, maybe an elevated importance, right? Maybe that hopefully by listening to this, we're not running, our listeners are, are not running roughshod over, oh, it's just the trinkets and it's the costume jewelry or, you know, furniture and things like that, that while there may be smaller monetary value and, and everyone's eyeing the prize in terms of, the real estate or the savings, the larger numbers, if you do the personal, the distribution of the personal belongings poorly, it could lead to uh, the same amount of strife or dissension or legal problems or challenges to the executor. So it's it's important to do it well, also to preserve, you know, if if beneficiaries are family, which oftentimes they are, uh, that it's that it's done it's done well. So there's a risk element to it. There's the potential to maintain family relations and address the emotional impact attached to those items that if you can do that well, then you avoid those problems. So with that, yeah, thank you for listening. I think it's been an interesting discussion highlighting for me and hopefully for our, our listeners the importance of doing this well. Thank you for listening in or watching us on the on the YouTube channel. We want to grow this message. We want to reach as many people as possible. And one of the ways to do that is for you to subscribe. That way you're not going to miss an episode, uh, but it also brings it to the attention of others. Or do share about it. Uh, you know, Share the episode if you think there's somebody who can benefit. That would make us feel well that our message is getting out to more than just the two of us talking in front of a (laughs) webcam. So thank you so much for that. The success of this podcast and the reward for the energy we put into into the podcast is that it gets shared and it reaches as many people as possible. And we appreciate any effort you can give us to that uh, end. So with that, we'll wrap up this interesting discussion and look forward to our next time together. So until then, stay safe. Thank you for supporting Estates Made Simple. 
Thanks, Gordon. 